What's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another exciting edition of Evening Alpha. I'm your host, Todd. Uh, and welcome, man. This is, you know, one of the things we try to do here at Evening Alpha, um, well, really all the time, is to try to find the best projects. Um, we try to find the, the the teams that are genuine people, good people, uh, that are talented, that are really pushing the boundaries, and, and are really putting their all into the space. Uh, and tonight, I, I cannot wait for you to meet our guests because I think they're they're firing on all cylinders. It's a project that I'm personally excited about, uh, and so I cannot wait for you to meet them. But this is the, what we call a cliffhanger. It's a lead-in. This is the special part. Uh, but before we jump in, a little bit of housekeeping. So uh, for those in the adult fantasy family, and for those that have been listening to Evening Alpha for a while, you may or may not know that we are actually going through a voting contest right now inside of our da uh, Discord server. So um, for those that don't know, we host a live uh, lore game every Thursday night around the same time. And uh, we really have this open community. It's the lore games are the 30,000 foot view of adult fantasy. And we really open it up to you guys, to everybody in the community, come in and help us. And we're basically crafting the story and the, the narrative universe of adult fantasy together. And so what we've done is we have a, uh, a channel dedicated in Discord to voting, and that's going to affect tomorrow night's lore game. So if you're a member, if you're an adult, you have to be a holder to participate in the voting, of course. But if you are a holder, feel free to jump over into Discord and, and vote if you haven't voted yet, because tomorrow uh, is the last day. We'll cut it off right before we go live tomorrow night. So if you're, if you're a holder, go over to our Discord, uh, hit it up. If you don't know where the Discord is, uh, well, then are you really a holder? I mean, really? No. If you don't know where the Discord is, you can just go to adultfantasy.io. That's adultfantasy.io and follow the links. Uh, and we'd love to have you. If you're not a holder, go to adultfantasy.io and uh, check out one of our collections. I think we have like three or four now. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can you can go into at any floor level. You know, it doesn't cost a lot to jump in. Uh, you know, we do that on purpose so that we can, uh, you know, get as many people involved as possible. So go check it out. Help us vote. Uh, make a difference in the community and make a difference in the story. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, let's let's get it going. I can't wait to see what you guys do. So, all right, enough shilling. Uh, let's get down to business. So, uh, okay, I'm excited for these guys. They have, they hit me in my special nerd place uh, with, the, with the comics and gaming and all that kind of stuff. Um, I am absolutely privileged and, and uh, uh, very excited to speak with Richard and Kevin from Atmos. What's up, guys? How you guys doing? Chilling, man. It's uh, it's great to be here. Thank you, so thank you so much for having us on uh, on the show. I remember when we first met. I was just marking out so heavily, trying to identify everything on your shelf. Yeah, yeah. So I, I the, the oldest joke in the book now, but I, I call this the world's most expensive green screen. <laughs> I mean, That's it is better than when those you know people just sort of like position the books that you know they haven't read because the spines have never been broken. That's right. You know, That's so right. can, I'm I'm, I'm here for it. You can tell mine have been read because not only are they perfect, but some of them are bagged. And like, there's not there's not too many people that like polybag books. It takes a real special person to do that. You know, That's epic. <laughs> very you know, cool. Yes, thank you. Having, having, having a portrait of Stan Lee, you know, looking over your shoulder as you do stuff. Yeah. You got to get that special juice going. It's a, little, it's a little daunting, no? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, he's but, staring right at you. Like, when yeah, you I know. That he's judging like, me all the time. It's like your conscience, you know, is uh, <laughs> like that little angel there. It's, it's like, Todd, Todd, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you a true believer? <laughs> Excelsior, Todd. 
So, 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 uh, okay. So we, we have, we've already had great conversations and that's one of the reasons why I'm super excited for tonight. But before we jump in, like, uh, guys, tell me what is Atmos? Atmos is a world where we are focused entirely on this incredible concept that we call metaverse native sports. Um, and, and ultimately, right. We want to encapsulate this, this, the stories that you get in the traditional sports world. And we want to take those and we want to bring them into this new metaverse experience that we're all kind of pushing towards together in the web three space. Oh, interesting. That's, that's, that's really cool. I, you know, one of the things that, so one of the things that drew me to you guys, um, is the high quality of the work that you're putting out. Right. Um, you know, it, the, the site obviously, uh, caught my eye. And as I started looking at the team, I mean, everyone on the team is pretty, pretty fire. Of course, I noticed, um, you guys have, uh, Tommy Lee Edwards on there. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, something might tell you that I might know who that is by my background, uh, <laughs> maybe. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious, like, well, a couple things, what first, like, how did you come up with this, uh, the concept in general? And then, and then when you say, cool, we're going to do this. So it's, it's one thing to come up with a concept. It's a completely different ball game to say, cool, here's our concept. Let's get fucking rock stars and actually like go and try to do that. You know what I mean? Like most people, I mean, we're in the web web three space. I mean, I mean, go through the top 5,000 projects and see how many you really think are cool. And like, it's a handful. So I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about how, how this was set up. So for me, it came down to a question as a question I asked uh, back in our last bear market, um, which was if the metaverse comes to pass, if, if we're all heading towards this, uh, this idea of a, you know, of a, persistent digital experience if i'm courtside at a lakers game in that experience what am i actually watching and what am what what are the, what is being played on the court because it should not be basketball and it should not be the lakers right it, it's that idea that i can experience something that is in the real world in a digital experience just doesn't quite cross over perfectly and when we asked that question, it, it, it kind of, it turned into this fantastic spiral of what do sports and the things that come out of sports look like in a digital realm. And when you start looking at sports and my background, but my, my first career was as a professional hockey player. So if you're wondering how I got down the sports rabbit hole so quickly, so far, that's, uh, that's where that comes from. Um, but it's about stories. Competition is about story, right? And there's no competition if you don't care about a team or a player or a racer. Um, you look at Formula One, the, the thing that makes Formula One incredible is that the storylines that happen off the track, it's not just the race, it's right. everything else that happens around it. And as we pushed on that idea further and further, it was unbelievably clear to us that in order to build an ecosystem that could support this, we had to build a narrative first world. Um, and we had to take that approach of building from the ground up, literally everything, um, in order for anybody to care about any type of competition or spectacle or spectating experience. 
there had to be meaningful story behind it. And so we took that approach of we're, we're truly world building and we're starting with narrative and we're starting with this comic series. You mentioned Tommy, who's absolutely incredible um, and, and really pushing a, a full vision of this is how humanity looks 500 years in the future. And this is, this is why these things culturally evolved the way that they did. And that's why you should care about X, Y, and Z, right? And, and ultimately, we're building a series of games alongside that and a bunch of other media. And that approach is really because all of those, it takes all of those things working together in order to tell the stories that we wanted to tell. And then also to let people tell stories using that as a vehicle. I love that. That's a good answer, man. I, what do you think? Like, so one of the, one of the challenges I think that, that narrative communities have, um, and I can speak firsthand on this, right? Like it's, I guess you, you said something that kind of stuck out to me, which was, you know, it's, it's about getting people to care about the teams. So, so what, what have you found and what have you been playing with? And I know, look, we're all, we're all startups, so there's nothing perfect. Right. I mean, we tweak shit all the time. You know what I mean? It's like we, we put we put stuff out there and they're like, this is they're going to love it. And then people are like, you know, don't touch it. And we're like, shit, it's, it's almost like I, I it's almost it's almost as if like the, the less you fucking put into it, the more people love it. And I'm like, OK, well, maybe we should just toss stuff out there. So like wh what have you guys been working on to to convey that, to create that bond between the community and, and certain teams? Like what have you experimented with? I, well, it's, it's, it's a great question and one that's like very, very on point for where we are right now. Um, you know, we're releasing chapter two of Exordium, which is our comic series next week uh, on the 25th. And that's really the first time that everybody gets to, it gets introduced to these teams that are competing in division one of ExoGP, which is our Formula One meets flight sport that's kind of core to Atmos. Um, and so uh, actually just in, in December, right before the holidays, we released a series of proto helm uh, NFTs or prototype helmet NFTs mm. that, uh, that were themed for the, the eight division one teams. Mm. Um, that was sort of the first kind of like, we're giving these to the community and, and there's not a lot there yet of the why or the there there. And that, a lot of that narrative is coming in, in episodes two and three or chapters two and three rather. Oh, okay, cool, awesome. What about what about you, Richard? What do you what do you what's your take on this? You know, it's always I'm a big believer that you know sports or anything, right? It's the stories that connect you are the reason that you remember things. You know, I was so for us, it's about how do you create that? How do you create content that makes sense that isn't simply presenting, right? Mm -hmm. We see a lot of presentation, a lot of ceremony when it comes to story rollouts. Like my background's closer to gaming. And when it comes to the story Bible, there are either huge tomes written at the beginning and they're absolutely incredible, or it's people like trying to bail out, you know, bail water out of a flooding ship, you know, because they're just making things up as they go along. So one of the things we've been really working around is what the strategy is for the right types of content to speak to racing culture, to the culture that will be behind the game. That's the, the culture behind the comic. It's cool to talk about a new release and the story that happened. That's cool. You know what's cooler? When you actually start talking about why that book made sense to you. Yeah. What your connection was to it. And the reality is all of us have had training wheels to get there 
because we've practiced it with so many other tomes. Mm. So for us, a lot of the focus is coming up with those content pieces, you know, and I don't want to give away the punchline here, but you'll see it coming soon. And it's coming up with new and novel ways, some hand on one hand, of presenting story elements in a different context that makes mm. it a little bit more digestible, not just to the hardcore exploratory fan, mm. um, but to the, more of the general population. But then on the other side, it's how do you just create things that are in and of themselves interesting enough to watch, to potentially spark that interest, yeah. to learn more about the story. And it's something that, you know, when I had met Kevin early days, this is something we had discussed a lot. I'm not from the Web3 space by any stretch of the imagination. You know, my background was like gaming, music, events. And coming into this, I said, you know, often we'd see that, you know, by virtue of existing, people came to you because you belonged in the genre. Right. And... Right. Yes, that can be good. But again, we saw this in the music scene, you know, clubs would come up and you would just go to the next one on the strip because it was there and it exactly. had the same headliners, but it's the same damn thing everywhere you go in a different package, but it exists because the strip exists. Right. And we've also seen what happens when that strip doesn't go that well. Right. Right. Yeah. So rather than trying to simply succeed by existing within the space it's like well how do you actually get people to talk about it because sometimes even within the market you can't actually get a, a reasonable reasonably clear answer to why people are into something it becomes something very functional yeah. and that will never be a great basis for a narrative for a story definitely not for a comic and absolutely not for a community that's ultimately going to be within a game right they approach it that way and all of a sudden it's people just hunting down the next game that gets them the best potential <clears throat> prize pool. And uh, and yeah, so yeah, that, that's really it. It's just a lot. It's really going through those different types of steps of, uh, of planning. Uh, it, we're deep in that also, right now. We've also become very obsessed with this idea that we're calling emergent storytelling, which I'll, I'll be clear, it's not anything that's in, in production at this point in time, um, but very much the, the idea that at the point where people are able to play our game, Mm -hmm. that the events that we're holding and the competitions that happen are getting reflected in the comic and other media, right? So if you want a tournament on a weekend, all of a sudden the comic issue comes out three weeks later that has that championship that, that in, it. Yeah. in it, right? So yeah. that you're, you're storytelling indirectly, right? Yeah. You're impacting a story without, you know, voting on a narrative or otherwise it's like, I took an action and then boom, Oh, all of a sudden that, that had real impact into a storyline that I didn't even know was coming. Yeah, we're we're experimenting uh, with something like that as well. We, we've got a lot of stuff out out and we also have stuff that, that's coming out, of course. And yeah. we're, we're kind of internally thinking about the same way because I, because one of the things that we we learned is that uh, and I'm sure you guys you, you guys know this, like you have you have your community and then like there's like there's like the, the community at large, which is sort of a. I mean, essentially, it, it can be a vanity metric. It's like how many Twitter followers you have, how many Discord followers. Okay, great. And then you have your actual community, which are the holders, your customers, the people who actually purchased. And then within that, within that circle, that sphere, you have a smaller percentage that are sort of your your semi regulars, and then you have your core. And that core is the one that actually shows up, and they're like everyone in chat, like right now, core, one hundred percent, like. And then, and then those are the people that are like helping to develop and they want to be, it's like a, I don't, I don't know the actual metric yet, 
Um, but it's it's probably it's either one percent or, or even maybe half a percent that actually is like, yes, let's build it. Let's write it. Let's draw it. Let's create it together. Let's go. Right. And so on one side of the of the scale, you you you're doing things for those people to help you build the, the core of the community together. Mm-hmm. And that's where the values come from. And that's where a lot of the a lot of the core creativity comes from, for sure. Yep. And then as those as those products or those those projects games whatever come out of that you're servicing a wider net the kind of like the public that may as they as new people come in and as sort of the semi-regulars come back you know six months later and they're like what i miss you know what i mean like <laughs> as as people come come back and kind of kind of rev up they're being introduced to everything again almost for the first time not really totally seeing what's under the hood where where that core group is so have you guys do you guys see see that as well and well, i'm i'm 110 with you there right you absolutely and they're different they're fundamentally they're different you know user archetypes in a way right you know not to not to conflate the term user with community member but at the same time right like when i think about products and i think about things that we're building i tend to think in terms of user stories and like who is this for and how will they use it and how do we how do we you know make sure that they are the most engaged and excited by this thing and there are those that just like you called out there are those fundamental groups in any community where you absolutely have that core and they want to do everything with you and that's amazing and separately you're going to have that person who tunes in and tunes out and they're 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 completely loyal but they're just they have less time they're less engaged and it's a different user path and there needs to be something for them right right one of the things i think i think you know rich and i love esports one of the things i think that esports has struggled with is is that that middle tier user right oh yeah because esports is terrible you can be you can be open about that just be dead honest kevin But, but, but truly, right. It, yeah. It's, it, it goes down even to the, the types of games and the gameplay mm-hmm. is requires so such deep knowledge and such understanding of what's happening that you have to be a core user mm-hmm. in order to understand what's happening in front of you. It's not something that's like an easy cognitive leap for somebody who wants to tune in and tune out. And so I guess that's a long winded way of saying, I totally agree with your point. No, it's, yeah. it's funny though, too, right? Because, uh, you know, I always talk about the first time I went to a, a live CSGO event. I went to ESL in Brooklyn uh, over Barclays Center. And it was one of those cases where I'd never, I, I know Counter-Strike. I know the principles of it. Did I know what the structure of the, the gameplay was for that format? Hell no. Uh, I legitimately had to like dress up in like Japanese baseball gear to make myself look like a total mark. So someone would eventually introduce themselves to me, which they did. And, you know, I was taking like the four train down to Barclays Center and, Long story short, a guy was like, oh, hey, it's your first time going here. Why don't you just come with me and uh, I'll just take you around the joint. So he kind of explained everything to me. So I had somebody and and we find this all the time. Esports is in a weird spot where you really do need a, you need a guide to mm. take you through it. Um, and it really depends on the nature of the gameplay. A MOBA might be easier to understand once someone just explains it to you. But if you try to get into a very visually cluttered uh, and aggressively high cut first person shooter, like a team based shooter like Overwatch, even people who understand the game don't understand what's going on. Yeah. You're just and you're just barely holding on because you've got an auctioneer style play-by-play announcer going, which can work, but it's still confusing because again, it's you know, you think about it when you do play-by-play in hockey, 
like you kind of generally describe what's going on and someone can basically figure out what's going on. Same with football, baseball, etc. In baseball, you might not know what every pitch is. It's true. Yeah. Like, do people know what a cutter is? I don't know. But you know, it looked cool. And eventually you figure it out, you look it up. And in gaming, the lexicon gets really weird because we start every game has its own vernacular. Yes. And, you know, when you think about it, the only touch point to learn that vernacular is to play the game a lot, which some people just don't have time to do um, or watch a lot and have someone explain things to you. Whereas yeah. in our approach, we know that a story, that a compelling story and narrative has to be built up just because you need to have some emotional connection beyond just winning right? Or just hating to lose. It helps because everyone knows we project, right? We project ourselves and what we see. It's like kids watching sports. Like when you put yep. on that Jersey, you are that player in their head. And we know, look, grown ass adults do this too. Like I, I remember the first time I saw a Super Bowl party down in the yeah. States. I was yeah, like, wow. like, what the hell is that? Dude? I was like, it's like a dinner party and you're all like no. role playing and My you're having, you know, but yeah, no, but the, the point being though, that by having the strong narrative, we can introduce terminology, phrases, things that are going to be there through a much more natural means. You know, once those terms or those phrases and we can animate it, you can make it part of the story. You know why that kind of maneuver is, is a serious one. Once that starts to come to life in the game, it, it just gives us more touch points that take a lot of pressure off us having to try to promote this in real time in play by play. This just makes sense. It's a better instruction guide. No, which no I, longer exist in games. You you make a that's a huge point. And I mean, uh, it sounds funny, but it's true. Like my uh, one of my best friends, uh, he told me that when he and his husband first watched the UFC, they legit thought it was an advertisement for Grinder. And like it's it's uh, hilarious, but I'm like, know, no, I, I see that. Like it makes total sense. Like, but, I'm like the, but that's one of those things. Like, because it, it it fits the genre mold of what you expect. And then they right. have weird phrases like now they've moved into north south. I'm like, I know right. what other people call that. You know, <laughs> yeah, but right. but it's one of those cases though. Like over time, like again, I always joke. They know who their market is because they have north south and they have ground and pound. The right. fact that those phrases exist right. in the sport they, you know and actually i yeah. knew some folks who are at ufc and actually they do know the market and that's yeah there's a reality yeah. there but yeah. again ufc is one of those funny cases where it actually takes a while to know what a really good fight is because what we're well that's right that's is, what made me think about it yeah. is like it was like it's a funny analogy but but it's still the same thing when you first watch it it's similar i mean i had the same experience you know i, I wouldn't frame it the same way but like same thing i've watched esports and i've watched ufc and i'm like you watch it both and i'm like i don't even know like you know with UFC, it's like the the you know one one player, we'll just call fighter or whatever, moves one side, and everyone's like, oh, and you're like, what? Like I don't see any. Like they're like, it's over, and you're like, but he hasn't done anything. Like he's just laying. A, he's like, I could, you know, your first instinct is like, well, I'm 200 pounds, I can flop on somebody and pin them. No, but, but it's it's, it's, it's really true though, and, and we you need to understand the chess of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and getting guidance in games, and and the same thing happens in books and comics. You know. Mm -hmm. I, you know, and it's funny because we always talk about that. Like, what are what's a good way to tell a story, yeah. right? And, you know, you think about it. What makes a good story a compelling one for different markets will be will, varies based on the medium that you use. So we're using comics because it made sense, right? Our world is visual. It, it's, it's the best. It keeps you from just writing in prose, which can lead you to create such a broad and ambiguous world that sounds amazing, but everybody's image in their head is different. Yes. You need to set some guardrails, right? Which is why we work with someone like Tommy who, you know, working with him, you know, fun fact, I always laugh that a guy who grew up like south of the border, you know, like around in Michigan, 
grew up watching exactly the same TV shows that I used to get sent to me on beta tapes from my family in like Japan and Hong Kong. Right. So it's like we, you know, he's like my anime brother from another mother because we talk about like Macross and Gundam and like old school, like Kaiju stuff and Ultraman. Sure. But the point being, you take all those ideas, all those frames of references. Of course, we don't want to just build something that's been seen before. You know, that's look, we know that could be popular and it could and it could work for a season. But the whole idea is when you have a deep passion for fandom, when we can mark out on things. You know, if you come to the, if you meet us, at, you know, if, if people met the rest of the Atmos crew, you want to talk about hockey covered. You want to talk about music production covered. You want a freestyle MC covered. You want to talk to a power lifter covered. Kung Fu movies, anime, everything is there. And what we do is we take those elements and realize what was it that kept us in the fandom? Right. Not for a season, but I'm talking like Shaw Brothers movies, like going back to like, let's go back to like early Chen Quan Tai stuff. Mm -hmm. those movies are like kind of corny but there's a reason why i always go back so yeah. rather than saying let's do everything and shoot it so it looks like it's done on a super eight at best figure out what made those stories compelling so that i go back to it and what i would say like in that case i always tell folks it's not that kung fu movies are popular if you want to know how to get people into martial arts stories you need to figure out why everybody i met in new york knew just as much about like Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movies as I did. And I'm like, how, this is the weirdest thing ever, but I'm down with it. But once you understand that and you realize what it was that got them into it, yeah, that's a spirit that's lost. It really, in a lot of technocratic approaches it's to building really, products. It comes down to what's your, what's your ultimate fighter, right? In mm -hmm. the, in the sense of, of what the ultimate fighter did for the UFC in terms of introducing personalities and putting a forum and putting stories behind, you know, fight, then fighters came up through that and ended up in, in the UFC. And there was so much fandom and so much excitement behind those people, even though they hadn't proven themselves at the highest level yet, just mm -hmm. because of the story that was behind them. Now, that's a really good point. You know, it's, it's funny, like we, it, that's a really, that's a really good point. I think what you're, you're, you're talking about, you're, you're talking about both the lost art of storytelling um and also kind of finding the hook into the universe right like you know there's so many there's so many points along the line that are that are similar um you know things that popped on my head while you guys were talking like the old school um uh wwf like before it was like uh whatever it was wcw or whatever it was yeah. but like like but like the old school when it was like every character was a superhero basically and they even and then you would watch the saturday morning cartoon and they would also be on like you you they were you were exposed all the time to various angles of the character and marvel universe did that as well like it's mm -hmm. like well well you know oh you're you're not old enough to read you know uh dark knight returns well here's the lego movie you know batman's in that as well and it becomes it kind of elevates it kind of elevates the the character into into more of like an iconic or a true brand where it's like every there's like multiple versions of the same thing even mm -hmm. if even if to me at the core it still has to be the same character there's rules inside of that as well right but but i mean i, I think i i totally un understand and, and appreciate the approach of saying okay well here's the game here are the teams here are the main figures within those mm -hmm. teams within the game as as a character world and then and then start to push out both through gameplay uh where people get to know the characters and the teams and all of that and through media like comics where people can mm -hmm. kind of also be exposed to it because and what makes a lot of sense, like you, you'll have somebody come in and maybe they don't even know there's a game, but they come in through the comic. 
or vice versa. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's a little bit of, um, I mean, back in the day, they, they, uh, I don't, I hate, I've never liked the word, but they used to call it transmedia. Right. <laughs> where it's like where it yeah, was like a oh, lot of documents right yeah, trans, documents trans media basically. storytelling todd that's right that's right yeah, <laughs> yeah. almost as bad as uh, almost as bad as webisode oh, not quite as bad but pretty close <laughs> like i was there when icebox existed i still remember webisodes icebox was the best man yeah. i have a fondness i i mean it's i have a i do i can't i can't lie i have a fondness in my heart for icebox no, so you know it, it's funny you talk about wrestling. I, I was a, I grew up a huge wrestling fan, and, and but you're talking when you talk about kayfabe, you know the idea that the wrestler has to keep that personality forever, right? It's why, I mean, a lot of good and a lot of great and awesome things came out of that, and a lot of terrible, obviously, things came out of that as well too. But there is something, and it's what I used to always joke with folks. You know, they'd always, you know, it, undoubtedly as a wrestling fan, you run into the person who's like, well, you know, what's not real. And I actually said to someone once, I'm like, yeah, I know. You know what else is crazy? Um, those dragons in uh, Game of Thrones. Yo, did you know dragons aren't real? <laughs> you know, Daenerys, she's not real. Yeah. Khaleesi's not coming, you know? So, but why I thought it was interesting was even then people knew it wasn't real. Like I, I, I ended up talking to some like old heads, you know, they were in their seventies. So they grew up with like Maple Leaf wrestling. They went to the fifties, sixties, seventies. And the whole point was, well, yeah, but you watch it because it's a form of social release. If you knew what it was like to go to the gardens in those days, right? If uh, you were down at MSG, you saw Bruno San Martino come out, right? Yeah. It like, yeah, they like, because they obviously know what boxing is. It's like people acted as if nobody knew what boxing was. Like, you don't trust me at MSG. They know boxing and they know wrestling. But it was a form of storytelling and release because it related to stories heroes and villains people that they hated you know nature boy buddy rogers and all that kind of stuff like these are they represented archetypes of things you liked or disliked etc but the reason it was so compelling is that it's a reflection of what somebody ultimately feels and when i think about you know when the crew first got together here at atmos again whether it was like you know no, i always say this yeah i remember at nft nyc and a few other folks spaces I've, I've seen folks talk about like gaming and comics and they'll be like oh we're going to be in the web3 space and you know the big news line the headline they would drop at a, at a, a like a con conference was like you know what's really important is not that you yield things but your game has to be fun I'm like really <laughs> so game oh so i'm like taking notes aggressively game must be fun second um you've got to make sure it's accessible to a broad swath of players like, <laughs> broad my, my point being again i was kind of the I, I always joke i'm the i'm one of the resident luddites in the space but to me you know we always saw and, and when kevin and i first again started chatting my first question was well why do so many games in the web3 space feel like you know when you made the quick web game flash game to go with the movie back in 1997 yeah. like why yeah. is it like it's Everything. like call of duty but roblox but like minecraft why is everything but it's minecraft it's right. like a town sim but minecraft it's an fps shooter but it's minecraft it's boxing but it's minecraft but you can customize them like i think our expectations are a little bit higher here yeah and our goal has always been to be you know if it's a book if it's a comic write a great story because that is something that not for everybody but it's there is an opening in the market right as we've all seen with the comic industry it's 
look, there's a lot of great new titles. That's a lot of great. There's a lot of eh, average titles. Mm-hmm. One thing that's happened in a lot of storytelling, though, is that and, and production is that we do use digital means like fully digital. We know that the storylines and the narratives can be they can insist upon themselves sometimes, you know. But then so for our case, you know, let's say comics. We knew the comic was going to be primarily a, a digital launch at first. We are looking at doing a print edition once we get a few more issues in because, look, that's people who read digital, they don't read books. And people who get books, they definitely tend to not buy digital. But, and it blew me away because, you know, Tommy's structure for the comic was wild because the comics have a certain look. And we were working on some, some creative, and, and I, I asked what I thought was an innocuous question. I'm like, hey, can I get some uh, layers? I have some ideas for how we can like kind of do a cool fade in. And uh, they write back, like, oh, we don't have any layers. I'm like, oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll just get it next time. Maybe you just didn't render out the Illustrator file, <laughs> right? right? Like, no. And then they drop yeah. this bomb on me. And it's it's like the greatest thing ever. They go, no, no, no. Um, Andrea Kuki, who does our pencils and inks, they said, no, no, Rich, uh, Andrea does all this on Bristol, does the sketches on Bristol, fills in the inks. And then like scans it and i'm like hold on we've got a guy named andrea kuki andrea kuki yep who's living in italy is he like on some like is he on like the coastline overlooking a a bay or something or a harbor and you're telling me he's got this like great beard and he's sketching out these inks just to scan them yeah and they're like yeah and actually he does actually live on a bay he really did fulfill every kind of funny image i had in my head about him (laughs) but why it was awesome it's that We've been asked, people ask, the, the, the book looks different. It has a bit of that old school look. It is, and it, it's, has... it, it is, it is a different, like, I mean, so I have like, this is a rough, um, I can't share the final that I'm working on because it's, but this is one of our, yeah. one of our members in our community. Oh, and that's one awesome. Of our, that one of our great. characters, right? But it's the same kind of thing. I mean, this is, now this is printed out, but I draw it digitally. I printed it out too dark, which is why I'm showing it, but like print it out here and then I'll, I'll, I'll finish the pencils out and I'll ink it. And then like for our community, he actually, I'm, I'm sending this to him and, you know, we use it on, on the NFT as well. So it's like, Amazing. right. Like it, you can't, it, there is something to it. I mean, I hate to be exactly. a nerd about it, but it, there, it's like, it's like vinyl versus. But you, versus but you should be a nerd about it because you're, because that's, that's, that's like part of like how you've done things, right? Like yeah. I'll be a nerd about how I write solidity. <laughs> yeah, and, right. uh, you know, and, and that's also why we want we took the strategy around covers as well too you know like peach momoko doing a cover i mean i'm a huge fan of hers i i, I was joking I, I joked with the guys i mentioned it to my moms i'm like yeah peach momoko's doing a cover and like she's 70 right. and she goes whoa yeah peach awesome. momoko she's awesome man. and i was like wow she goes because it's like everyone knows right yeah, uh dave cool. johnson you know yep. did a cover like um mateo scalera uh scalera right so awesome we bring guys. in these styles because the reality is, is that people, we know there's a reality where people want to work yep. with IP and creative. Like I, I always say, if we don't end up with some strange sort of sexualized story related to Atmos, that's shipping random characters. I know we failed yeah, because I, I know way. I've hit the zeitgeist. If like there's an exo, but there's like nothing underneath the helmet. Like, Hey, yeah. that's what people do. That's what you do. That's it, man. It's sort of the story, man. Whatever. But, you know, even when we chose the covers, when, you know, when we've gone through these artists, it's to show that there are different ways to represent a core idea because it's kind of like when you talk about, do you buy a branded Lego set for a kid or do you buy the generic Lego set? You know that when it's fully branded, like the first tendency is to build the model on the box. Yep. 
And that's we've had that for like 30 years. And it, it, it starts to change the way you write and think through stories. And for us, we said, you know, why don't we take these covers and use this as a launch point to show, of course, they're amazing artists. Of course, they're great designs. But showing that this concept can be at minimum, like just to start visually expressed so differently and look completely different from the comic itself that shows that there's there's legs to this that you can go much further that this is a starting point and if in the comic we can start with that one story and expand just one story to three covers yep right and then as we go on and we bring in other artists you it starts to become much more of a hub for people expressing themselves in the context of atmos which is always been one of the larger goals for us because that's how we talk about sports Kevin and I probably start every morning referencing a hockey score. You know, that it's part of how you have just, that's, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't agree more, man. I think you guys are definitely firing on all cylinders. Um, really quick, I want to hop over to chat and I uh, uh, want to make sure to say thank you to everybody. Uh, Dusty, LFG, what's up? Uh, uh, Rageous is here. What's up? How you doing? Uh, Willie, how you doing? Galaxy Rider, hello, hello. MK, what's up? Cookie, how you doing? Uh, uh, Don, Don says that's better than me and not the same random person. God, he changed his name. Uh, welcome, Don. How you doing? Kier, how you doing? Welcome, welcome. Uh, great root, great root bear. How are you? Welcome. Uh, we got a lot of people in tonight, so this is really great. Uh, man, who else? Studio seven point six two. Todd Moffat. Uh, just everybody. Two K. Chad McMillan, how are you? Team, he says, Team Chosen. Nice. Let's go. Choice. You and I will have a talk, Chad. We're going to have a real <laughs> talk about this. Yellow Demon, what's up? He says, GM, GM. Uh, now, Chad has a good question. He says, is the goal of Atmos game to provide a Web3 esports experience? Which we kind of covered, but we might as well, if you want to take another shot or... or uh, this, He asked a little while ago, so we might have the answered. Goal, the goal ultimately is to provide both competition and spectacle. So in a word, yes, but at a, at a deeper level than that, right? I don't want to define us as a Web3 esports experience. I want to define us as uh, the most compelling esports experience that's ever been built because of how we're building towards watchability and consumption. Right. If I use the sort of the traditional sports analogy, there are always more people in the stands than there are watching or sorry, than there are playing the game on the on the field, on the pitch, in the arena, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and so to us, it's as important to build out that fan experience, that spectator experience uh, and ultimately that story and that ability to tell stories um, that all intersect around that competitive experience that's a yeah that makes total sense to me yeah probably the biggest thing we want to avoid is landing in that spot where you say and we've seen this with titles they'll say it's esports ready i'm like oh god that just means it's a grind and ladder game that will have absolutely no story very loose setting and you know again um you know, Don't sugarcoat it. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah, no, but it's one of those funny things where it, it's sort of like if you're from the gaming space, whenever you hear esports ready, you're like, oh, God, it's going to be a weird clone of something that's going to try to brute force its way through the scene. But they're also definitionally, those games are definitionally bereft of any story. 
right? And people will backfill it because that's what humans do. Um, but again, that's also why we wanted to write. A, we started with the comic, yeah, right? Because it is important to lay a little bit about that context because it defines the energy of the competition. You know, if Chosen's the best squad, if they're the top team, you kind of want something to carry in. Otherwise, it's just left up to headcanon, which, look, it, it's it's engaging for some folks, but headcanon is not easily communicable for folks. It is difficult to get other people into your head fandom. So why not give a basic framework for it, see how people react, they bring it into the story. And as Kevin had mentioned with this concept of emergent storytelling, how do we bring that back in? Yep. Or, or right. how do we, well, you know, how, how do we enable people to create teams, create franchises, mm -hmm. create, create that level, the, create to the level at which they want and then have an impact and ultimately be, be writing stories even when they don't intend to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Bad Kitty, welcome. Uh, Cookie357 says, uh, uh, as long as Atmos keeps their why in sight, I think it will go far. Love it. Thanks, Cookie. Uh, let's see what else we got. Um, uh, Chad says, how cool would it be to get to the point where you can sports bet racers? Indeed, how cool. It would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Byman, what's up, Byman? He says, my team is still not Space Junks. Oh, it's not, not Sacred Waste, huh? That's not your team. Sacred Waste is a great team. You know, I, I feel like they're chat and I chat. I'm sorry. I feel like you and I are going to have to have a talk later about how <laughs> you chose your teams. Yeah. I'm a Flash Rabbits fan. Arbitrarily chosen. Arbitra arbitrarily chosen. Uh, Chad says, I had to buy all three covers. So there you go. Epic. So well, for, for, for issue two uh, next week, we actually have... All the covers are one of ones, they're generative. Uh, so all of them are done by uh, Tommy in the NFT edition, um, but they're all generative. So they're all completely unique. Nice, how you doing mm -hmm. that? Scripted it, a bunch of, that, that one was done in layers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, I'm trying to, you know, I just, I'm just imagining any artist trying to do like collage, paper collage. It know? was, it was Andrea and Tommy with a lot of jigglies. There was just like a lot of transparencies, you know, <laughs> thousands and thousands of <laughs> <years. laughs> overhead machine. Yeah. Right on, right on. Um, uh, and uh, Cookie also says uh, Atmos Battle Royale. Ooh, we're not going to touch that one yet. Yet. Yeah, that's an idea. <laughs> so how do you guys, so you're working on the books. So you have on one side, you're work, working on the game, right? Yep. And then on the other side, you're working on the comics. Yep. Like, how do we, how do you take it to the next level? Right? Like what's the, what's the next? So he's like, cool. We got, we got the next, we got the next book coming out. Right. Um, uh, we got Exordium going on now. Like, how do we, how do you kick it up? Like, what's the, what's the, you know, if, I guess if this is level one or is this a tutorial, I'm not sure if you were, if you were going to relate it to a game, if this yeah. is that base level, how do you push it to the next step? Well, we're definitely, we're definitely still in tutorial mode, I think. Um, but we've got, we've got, uh, both, uh, both episode or chapter two coming out next week and then chapter three coming in March. Um, so fast follow there. Um, but then, you know, in terms of taking it to the next level gameplay, um, and some of the experiences that we're building into our web portal, 
are the the next big things on the horizon. So um, we're, we're we there are some things that I can't say that uh, haven't been announced yet, but uh, but we're building uh, into into our web experience and around what we're doing mm -hmm. are definitely that next step on the ladder. Very cool. Yeah, I, it's it's such a it's such an interesting thing, and and one of the reasons that I, I'm asking is because you know we we're obviously in a bear market. Um, and you know, everyone knows bear markets are build markets. That's great. Um, yeah. but, but I think there's a, there's an additional challenge when, as a, as a project, you, you were in a bear market, which is you, you need to keep building, but you need to keep growing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and so the growth aspect I find, um, for a lot of projects is challenging, right? Um, worst case is a worst case is, I mean, Really, you could say even a even a positive worst case in a in a bear market is that you plateau because people leave the space. It's not as active as it was last last year or whatever, like or twenty twenty one or whatever it is. Like so, how in terms of so you so you focus on the, on the build and you focus on kind of pushing everything to that next level, and and all the stuff that you have, all the creativity and all the all the the release side, right? And I think for for creators it's that's actually our sweet spot like there's always challenges it's not easy but we we did that's where we really choose to sink our teeth right um but how do you guys deal with the other side which is like the the actual either either keeping it as a plateau which is an option um and there's no harm in that or trying to scale up like audience sides and things like that like how are you handling sort of the the marketing side of things without you know well without, I mean coming to like a bear market mentality i guess yeah i think well i think i think in general too you, you you touched on a really good point there which is that that when you're when you're a creator or a builder you want to build and so in some ways it's almost a natural like okay great well we can't we can't push in every avenue that we want to push on the marketing side right now like put your head down and let's go yeah. build a million miles an hour which is a great thing don't get me wrong at the same time it just means you have to be more strategic about what types of marketing outreach and those things that you do. Um, and it's, that's sometimes tough for community members to understand. Um, sometimes they're like, well, why aren't you pushing this a million miles an hour? Because that's not necessarily an efficient use of capital. When people are leaving the space, you, you want to be, you know, pushing in the right places. You want to be encouraging that new influx of people into the space and you want to be ready to move with the wave as the wave is happening. That's right. Um, Rich, anything that, sorry, I, I jumped on that one there, but. Oh, no, I mean, uh, th that's exactly it, you know. I mean, I've lived through bear markets in a lot of industries, you know, across multiple categories. Um, you know, back in the day, I was like in data analytics, PR and market research. And, you know, it's a funny thing. Um, going off of what Kevin mentioned about being strategic about what we build, right? The one thing that I think is probably the best for anyone to do, like not just an Atmos thing, but it's good to do in general. It's that, you know, bull markets are weird because people will buy things simply to buy them, right? It's one of the reasons why financial forecasting, I used to do a lot of that. I said, folks, this is good, but if I, I would always normalize things based off of like total GDPs, et cetera. So I was like, hey, maybe just piggy bank all of this stuff as you get it, right? But a great focus when there's a bear market is start to understand and focus on these elements that create foundational touch points and pillars for cultural builds, right? Resonance. And one of the challenges that you face in the space is that because the mentality means 
build a product on timeline and here is my roadmap. You know, what's really funny is, again, I'm, I, I was from the outside. I always thought when I saw that, I said, folks, you're setting yourself up for a lot of frustration because I literally do not know any single project that has ever kept its timeline. Like, I don't care if it was like an internal agency project or we're talking about launching a brand new cell phone. Everything has problems. That, that's just how it is. Um, and it was this misplaced sense of like radical transparency, which I always thought was weird because not all things are actually that interesting to see. You know, we have a ton. You know, one of the funny fun facts about Atmos is we've got, I would say, about 30 percent of the staff are actual musicians and we've got five like pure like music producers, audio engineers, etc. And we always joke, you know, people said, oh, you ever, you know, so we build a lot of our music. We craft our own music, do our own scores, do our own sound design. Folks like, oh, I'd love to see that. And, and all I say is, no, you don't. You, you never <laughs> want to see a producer make something like, what do you mean? I'm like, if you watched me producing music, it would be me with a 16 bar break. Yeah, it's five hours. Yeah, you will definitely leave the ecosystem. Like, not us. You will leave the ecosystem. But one of the challenges in the space is it's very much a what have you built? Get it out. What do you build? Get it out. What do you build? Get it out. And when you do that, what you're actually doing is you're creating a participatory condition, right? This is like we see this all the time in politics and, and economics, but it also happens basically with expectations around relationships with brands. It's yeah. that we react to releases because the release requires us to react in a certain way because that's how we act to all these other things. That becomes the system, which means your brand, your story, and all the things Dude. you're building are irrelevant. It you just know, becomes that it exists. It's so, one of my, it's one of my, personally, it's one of my big, my big problems. Like, I recognize that that Web3 and NFT, the NFT space is infantile, right? Yeah. Everything that's here right now is not going to be the same in 10 years. Like we, anyone that's been around long enough knows that. Um, but there's there are things that are being set up now and expectations that are really going to do serious damage to, to projects, future projects. Mm -hmm. so, so I'll give you a couple examples. Like, like, like the NFT market overall right now is a flipper's mentality right? Yes. It's a flip mentality. And it's, it's like, it's, it's treated as investments, even though we're not making investments, we're making collectibles. Right. And so the, and this is supported and reinforced by the platforms. Right. And what I mean by this is that you have, you have people come in, they buy your thing and they instantly try to flip it. Right. Um, we did the exact opposite for adult fantasy. So we have proprietary technology that, mm -hmm that creates comics and creates really for, for all types of NFTs, whatever. But, but basically when we did our mint, um, we started everything off as a 0.5 because we, we use a, like a comic book grade system. So a 0.5 is poor. It looks like crap. There's like water mm -hmm. skin on it. It's wrinkled. It's ripped. It's torn. And we, we had our first release was for the characters was like character cards. So there were character cards in a case generatively damaged right at a point <laughs> and it. so our proprietary algorithm what it does is is as you hold it every single day basically on the back end the algorithm rolls dice and makes a decision if it de-ages and if so by how much so so everything started at a point five and then over time it's like the world's slowest marathon to to try to get to gem mint right Super. and we've done that with we do that with comics now as well and all that kind of stuff but but we came out really, and this is 2021 in the, in the bull, we were like, look, we're not a flippers project. 
Like mm-hmm. I, we tried to be as transparent as possible. Said, look, we love you guys. If you want to buy and flip, God love you. You know, thank you. Thank you for your temporary support. But, right. but you should know I, the last thing I want as someone who's making the product or in charge of it to have people that are pissed off for whatever reason. So I'm like, you should know that this is not a flippers project that that marathon goes for four years the algorithm runs for four, it's locked it's like yeah. it goes for four years it's, yeah. it's, it's so, a vesting schedule that's right so it's so it's like you're not going to know the the value of that collectible for four years so by design right and yeah. like and like exactly. and so we were like look just so you know that that's that's the case and and we didn't have necessarily it was, the good side on that is that the people who came in that mm-hmm. saw that and read that they're like still here we have a really good like mm-hmm. diamond hand whole thing. Amazing. But then but then you go to OpenSea and all the numbers and all the statistics are set up for flippers. Absolutely. Right? Secondary yep. sales, like secondary sales are phenomenal for for um uh for the founding team. That's great, right? We all love secondary sales. I'm a huge proponent of that. But but trading volume is a is a signal of pain. It's not a positive. It's it's these are, this is the amount of people trying to get rid of your shit on a recurring basis, yeah. right? And people, and and in a flipper mentality, in a flipper mindset, it's seen as a positive. Oh my God, things are moving. That means I can buy it and flip it. But it doesn't, but there's a disconnect because trading volume has nothing to do with value. And well, if you want, if you want to, and if you want a comparison, I'll, I'll lend you with this, Rich. Like if you want a comparison, in my mind, you look at the Mona Lisa, okay? What's the trading volume on the Mona Lisa? Probably pretty fucking low. Right? Is that what? I mean, not many people have owned it. What's the value of it? Yep. Well, I think that's it. you. You raise a good point, and and it's something we've always, you know, it was really at the core of a lot of our design. It's that if you, again, it's one of those things. When I think back to some of those early talks when I was just getting into the space, and I was like, I, I think I, you know, again, some inside baseball. What I I met with the with the team when I first met them. I said, okay, I've got my first taste of how people talk in the space. Um, I never want us to say the word yield ever, 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 <laughs> ever, 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 please. We can't ever, like, it's just bizarre to me that, oh, I got this because it yields. Now it's not because the concept of yield is in it, like in and of itself bad, but it was a higher order issue, right? If people come in because they only see the potential of their participation with your products right. to be basically an annuity that you can then, or uh, an equity that you can move to gain quote unquote yield, their entire relationship with you has nothing to do with you. It's completely based on speculation of what you can be. And look, you don't have to look much further than like housing markets or, you know, think about the comic scene, right? You probably remember buying books because God forbid you liked the book. You know, Right. Like uh, like Tommy jamming through, you know, he was he worked on like Jupiter's Legacy, Marvel 85. Like these are books that I've got, you know, so because I like the story. But look, there were people uh, I always joke. Do you want your industry and do you want your category to be to have more people who are into what you do? Right. Or do you want them to be the comic book store guy from The Simpsons? You're just buying things because it is rare and therefore it will be somewhere. So I'm going to get it and put it in the Mylar bag or I'm going to put it in a poly block, you know, and at the end of the day, 
which is I, I, I promised I promised some folks I would stop saying the words at the end of the day, but I haven't quite worked it out of my vocabulary. <laughs> it's such a good interjection. Um, so at the end of the day, um, I, I brought up user stories early on, right? That is a user story. And, you know, Todd, to your point uh, a few minutes ago, right? Like it's a, it's a user story that the whole space is being defined by, right? Right. To some extent. Um, and that that's where the problem is. I, I, I gave a talk at NFT NYC back in 2019 when there were like 12 people there. And it was it was largely about the fact that we as an industry have the ability to permanently lose users, right? Because it is such a nascent space and there's so much friction in onboarding that the amount of user education that we have to do is, is extraordinary. And it is, it, it's almost a core mission and has to be a core mission of projects because if you don't do it well, you lose that loser, not just for yourself, but for every other project in this industry, it's right? Really and it it kind of goes the same thing about not, you know, as a, as a project, we don't speculate on price. We don't talk about price. We never, you know, that's something that we push in all of our community channels, et cetera. But it, it, it really is, it comes down to as a space, we need to do more to educate users and we need to, you know, we need to be conscious of that image as a, as an industry and be working to say, Hey, no, there are those of us here that aren't here for that. We're looking to build uh, better and cooler and more impressive projects using this incredible technology. It's not about flipping things. Yeah. I, I was having a conversation with another founder earlier today and one of the, one of the things that we were talking about is how different a web three startup is than a web two startup, primarily because of you're not in a, you're not just worried about like building your own company is hard enough, right? That is not easy. Uh, and there's a reason why, why I think in startup land, it's like 92 point whatever percent of startups fail, right? There's a lot of, it's a very hard thing to do, right? There's yeah. a lot, it's a lot of work. But the Web3 aspect, I think, is like, take that difficulty and magnify it by like 100. Because not only do you have the, the normal challenge of building your company and building your audience and, and everything else, but then you have the added challenge of the educational part because there are people, you want to bring people in, you know, and they not only do they not know your project, they don't even know, they don't even know what, what MetaMask is or or, you know, oh, is this some, this, you know, or they have misconceptions about, about what the and, space is and what it's about. And that's about. not their fault, right? It's, not, it's, it's complete miseducation, right? Um, and, and misguidance and all. I mean, we could talk about that forever, about why that is. I'm sure we all probably think the same on that. But then, but then the other side, and, and I think, so you have to, you've got the uneducated masses. And again, it's not their fault, right? It's a nascent industry and all that kind of stuff. Your company that you have to build. And then you also have a lack of traditional marketing tools there are no pipelines yet right there like like there are no there are the pipes have not been built they're being built now but there are no like an example if this is a web 2 company i'm setting up my, my i have my my app i've got my startup whatever my project is um what do i what am i going to do cool well we'll do some we'll create some funnels we'll create some digital ad, you know do some digital marketing serve some ads We'll bring people in, educate them through a webinar or something else, uh, bring them into a, to a launch sequence or, or what have you, and, and, and basically nurture them through email or whatever, like all that stuff. 
And when you jump into Web3, it's like Discord and Twitter, you know? And it's like Twitter ads suck, don't do them. And Discord ads don't exist. And no one wants you to DM them. So what, like, it's very, you're, you're really, it's a very difficult space. I mean, I, 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 I totally agree. I mean, I was like before discord, it was telegram, right. In the, in, in the, in the blockchain space. And that I literally shut off notifications on that app forever because it just drove me absolutely bonkers. And, but I think we're seeing, we see the same thing in discord now where people have started muting every server. That's not the core one that they want to participate um, because it's just too much noise. That's right. Um, right. Those, those, so, so you're right. Those, those tools are not, they're not sufficient. <laughs> yes. It also leads to a, a very certain, a, a certain type of communication and communication expectation, right? You, you start to frame the nature of, you think about it when you have it, so many discords that you can't keep up with things, but you are, the question is, well, why are you in so many, you know, if you come from the traditional gaming space, there are folks who all day will just hang out in different team discords for an esports league, and that that's what they do. But they're the vast minority, right? Uh, some folks will maybe tap into one. Most of them will have their own private groups. And, and the question is, though, when you structure communication like that, when there's this concept of, you know, everything is synchronous and it's real time. Yeah. And it's scrolling. Like faster than like I, I joke, you're dealing with the equivalent of people trying to we, we are misplacing our a belief that we can build healthy communities or manage even a reasonable communicative and social culture through Twitch chats. Right. Like, you know, I always joke like, yeah, Twitch chat can work when there's like maybe 10 viewers. You know, you can have that conversation with the viewer, you know, maybe 20. But I've also seen Twitch chats where it's like it's moving faster than time. You know, like yeah. I can see through yeah. time at the rate of pace <laughs> yeah. that it's going, right? And all it is, what what but what the behavior, right, that is created by that is people just like copy pasting or just trying to write the most like horribly racist thing ever, you know? Yeah. But the point is because you just want to be seen. So then the real question is, well, shouldn't we be addressing the fact that what people are missing is that they feel invisible. Like that's what I always say in the gaming space. That is the Valton challenge that exists. Right. People feel invisible. So when we deal with like, you know, we're looking at our discord, we're looking at where we want to go, a healthy comic discord. Do you want people to just come in and yell that they hit your book? Well, probably not, you know, or we don't want them to say they come in and yell about books in general. Cause that's right. also not healthy. Right. The thing is that is the propensity of markets. That is how we act when we are, digital only so you know again it's like sometimes you know you can take some lessons from the old school heads how do you manage this right it's one of the reasons why we love going to comic conventions like just go to conventions whether it's, whether it's like you know emerald city comic-con or new york comic-con or go down to baltimore head out to london you do that because it gives you a moment to say this is how people will at least talk about these fandom points but they've got to do it so they're face to face. And it's like that, like I used to joke, like in New York, like you can say whatever you want, but just so you know, there's only so much you can say before someone punches you in the nose. Like it's just, that's a reality, right? It's what's going to happen. And it is, I'm not saying we should go and bop each other in the nose. Yeah. But I am saying that 
when you think about the culture and how you get people talking like a conversation like this, this is not the kind of conversation I ever see happen in a web three right. space. Right. I barely see this happen in a business space. Cause that's just all, you know, buzzword bingo. And this is what's missing. Yeah. This is, and, and really, if I was going to say that there was something that really defines our, our view of what web three or what, just what building means to us. It's that we want more of this. We think this is the thing that is missing. Whether you're talking sports, movies, film, games, comics, these kinds of chats are missing. And it is something that is missing for a lot of people. Yeah. So if we're looking at a new frontier to design new immersive experiences, we can't just build them and rest on technocratic laurels, right? It's always got to be about the culture first. 100%. And, and that's really where I like to think that we are really always making sure we keep very level-headed about whether or not we're doing something good for the culture. Brilliant. 100% agree. I couldn't couldn't agree more. Um, we've got a couple questions and we definitely want to do, uh, we've got a giveaway and I know people are itching for that. So, uh, uh, but I love that, man. That, both you guys, it's brilliant stuff. Uh, let's see, Chad says, I don't know if I totally understand the question, Chad, so apologies if I butcher this. If there was a simple button to bridge a gap either i guess between either web3 or gaming experiences what would it be so i think he's asking like maybe between web3 and gaming mm -hmm. do you think there's a simple way that could be that that could be bridged i, I mean it, it, I'll, I'm going to lean back on on what i said before which is to some extent the simple button is is education and then the other side of it is tooling right it's just too hard to get set up and get in right you called out metamask a second ago and it, again it's not it's it, it it sort of is what it is um but we've also you know we've built a culturally in the world right we tend to like things where we're not responsible for things that we own. Um, I'll give you an example, credit cards, right? Uh, if somebody steals my credit card and then, you know, charges a bunch of money to it, I can call Visa and say, uh, I, that wasn't me. I'm not responsible for this. Right. And maybe I get dinged for like a $50 charge if I have a bad card. And if not, they just say, okay, great. Uh, that's fine. It wasn't you. And they write it off somewhere. And I'm, I, I, there was, you know, 30 seconds of my day and they mail me a new card. Right. Web three is about ownership. And to some extent, the technology is it, it right now, right? It's rudimentary in that it's really about ownership. You are 110% responsible for the assets that you own. And that's a scary and daunting thing for people. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the reality is, right, we need better tooling. We need, we need things that make it easier for people to onboard and bridge that gap because that is a big gap. Um, and there's, there's, you know, I picked this gap to harp on, but there are other, there are other ones, right? Psychologically, there's a gap uh, in the gaming space that NFTs are bad just because they look like another loot box to them, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Um, and gamers have gotten totally run over for the last 30 years with various mechanisms for monetization. Um, so there's there's a different sort of psychological battle that has to be fought there that's going, no, actually, this is about giving power back to you. This is about giving ownership mm -hmm. back to you. Right. Um, so I guess there's more than one chasm to cross there. All of them are sort of in progress. And, you know, I think I think there are a lot of projects working on really compelling ways to across all of them. 
Um, but it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes kind of a, a, a unified approach. Yeah, totally agree. Um, uh, Batman says, it's time to stop calling games Web3 games. Axie gave it a bad reputation. We should call them as differently as we can for public uh, for the public to accept it as any other game. I, I mean, oh my gosh, I totally yes. Agree. If we get rid of the term Web3 now, I would, right? I loved yeah. it when it first started happening and now it's become a, a literally four-character four word. Yeah, yeah and, and in the end, like, it's okay to just call yourself what you are, you know? Look, even if it is a Web3 game, it's still a game. And according to the guys we saw, you know, games have to be fun. So, you know, if it's a fun experience and it's, we, you know, again, it's I, there's that resting on that technocracy, which would just be awesome to get away from. But I think it also opens up a lot of opportunities because when you approach it as being, it has to be a this. It's going to be exactly what you've seen. You're going to build exactly what you've seen for the past 10 iterations from 10 different folks. You know what? We saw it with Reddit, though. Reddit. I mean, that fundamentally, they just yeah. changed the narrative just a little bit. And all of a sudden it was totally OK. Right? Yeah, yep. and, and so, I mean, I totally agree. Right. We, we need to get away from the nomenclature because, you know, unfortunately, when technical people name things and then they get reappropriated, they're usually not good names. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're definitely in the World Wide Web phase. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh. See, uh, see, Chad. We were talking about uh, this was me yapping about uh, adult fantasy and, and our algorithm. And Chad says that's an amazing mm -hmm. algo. Chad, yeah. thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, and then Chad says, "Question for Todd: Whiskey of choice. What are you sipping?" So he <laughs> noticed. Chad noticed my my drink here. So so I normally I normally drink Woodford Reserve, um, and just, that's what I got. It's like a little. That's what this is. Uh, but actually, this what I'm doing tonight is a local uh, a local whiskey called rua um and there's a new distillery that opened up down the literally down the street from me and i'm like okay i should try this out uh and it's brilliant it's really good you know just a sip uh you know i i always i actually usually have a sip uh on evening alpha my grandfather was a world war ii veteran lived to be 104 and he attributed a lot of it uh because when he was in, in the military in the navy uh um this is way i mean this was back in the day like the same back in the day, the St. Bernard's used to have a keg and they used to go into the mountains to save people who were dying of, you know, like being basically freezing to death. And so as a military guy, they always taught him to kill germs. You just take a, you don't get drunk on it, but you take a shot of whiskey and he was healthy for a damn long time. So, so, you know, I'm like, all right, grandpa, you can buy into that system. I am buying into that system wholeheartedly, sir. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, so good question. That's the first time anyone's asked me what kind of whiskey I'm sipping. That's pretty good. Uh, let's see. I knew uh, earlier in the call that we were sipping whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it was chill, man. I told you. Uh, uh, Kier has a great question. He says, uh, ask Kevin what it was like being an ice gator. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, that was the professional hockey team that I played for back in, in 2011, 12. And it was, uh, it was an awesome experience. I, I loved every minute of it. Uh, and then I turned out that I probably shouldn't get hit in the head anymore. I should, uh, use my brain for other things. <laughs> awesome. So it is it, you, legit pro, uh, athletes on, uh, on the team. I love it. Um, well guys, thank you so much. Let's, let's hop in. I'm going to bring dusty up. We're going to do our wheel of awesome. And uh, I think we have some some things to give away, right? 
Yep, absolutely. We're going to give away uh, four issues of uh, or chapter two of Exordium, which is coming out uh, on the 25th. I, I can't wait for this. So, uh, Dusty, uh, do you want to take it away? Do you want me to pull up the Wheel of Awesome? Yeah, let's go ahead and pull it up. All right. Look at that. So, yeah, we'll have four winners. And if you win, you're only eligible, eligible to win one. So we're going to spin it. We're going to spin the wheel five times. Four times. Four times. Yeah. Kier says the wheel of KG. I don't know. <laughs> we call it the wheel of KG because KG usually wins, but he's not here tonight. Oh, great. Great beer. beer. Uh, so uh, that's actually me in chat. So you should spin the wheel again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Richard, congratulations on winning. Yeah, I finally won something. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> there are team members. Don't don't buy lottery tickets for the foreseeable future. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're gonna try again. Let's do it again. We got this. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, Todd Moffat! Todd What's Moffat! Up, Todd? Congrats! Congrats, right, Todd Moffat! One. We got one. All right. It's your only eligible once. So congrats, Todd. Let's see who else. The, the, the wheel is spinning and Bad That's Kitty. Outrageous. Oh, so close. So that was close. close. Congrats, congrats Awesome. Two more, right? Let's do it. Here we go. Oh, the yellow, yellow demon. demon. Congrats. I got one more. Oh, nerves. We can do this. We can do this. Here we go. Last one. Let's go. Wait, my name's not on there. <laughs> uh, bad kitty. Bad kitty. Oh, no. With the comeback. <laughs> All right. That is. I know. It was. I was. I was. I was. Uh, uh, foreshadowing. That's called, that's called that's called foreshadowing in the uh, storytelling business. <laughs> um, so so how do we make sure everybody wins, Dusty? Uh, have they submitted their wallets or how's it work? Uh, yeah, I would say go ahead and hit us up if you are not already in our server. Go ahead and hit us up on Twitter, right? And in uh, the Adult Fantasy NFT Twitter. At Adult Fantasy NFT, hit us up there. Let us know your name, and yeah, we'll we'll take get you taken care of. Awesome. Yeah, definitely at Adult Fantasy NFT. Do not forget that NFT part. Uh, I will. I am not responsible for what you will be seeing if, if you just go to Adult Fantasy without the NFT part. I, I do not condone, nor do I, you know, support. But anyway, it's fine. Uh, awesome, guys. So, so Kevin, Richard, anything else before we before we go? Is there anything that I did not ask or that we didn't cover that we should cover? I mean, we covered so many awesome things. I, I don't know that I can tell you what you didn't cover. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, we've had, we, this has been awesome. It's been great, uh, great chatting with you guys. Hell yeah. So where can we send everybody? Where, where, where's the best place that we can send people? Yeah. I mean, um, best, best, best place is, is to our homepage, which is atmos.xyz. Or uh, if you want to check out Exordium specifically, uh, which is very important given that it, uh, it comes out uh, again on the 25th. Uh, that's atmos.xyz slash exordium. Um, so those are absolutely the best. And on Twitter, we're atmosxyz. Awesome. So everybody, go check out Atmos. Atmos is, for those of you listening at home, Atmos is A-T-M-O-S 
atmos.xyz. So atmos.xyz. And then if you want to go check out uh, Exordium, uh, basically it's spelled, it's it's atmos.xyz forward slash E-X-O-R-D-I-U-M. And I know you can get there from the Atmos homepage. Uh, so definitely go check it out. Um, guys, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. We got to do this again. And so everybody in chat, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Everybody at home listening to us on, on whatever podcast network you're listening to, we appreciate you as well. Um, check out Atmos. Uh, check, us, check us out next time for another Evening Alpha. If you're in YouTube right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, be sure to hit the bell for notifications, leave comments and all that good stuff. We love you guys. Uh, and with that, we will see you tomorrow and or, or next time, I guess. And until then, uh, we love you. Take care. God bless. And uh, peace out.